0: welcome to the clean simple free podcast i'm your host ashley fox this podcast relies on listener support in order to keep going so i'd like to thank clean simple free's newest supporters by giving a shout out to tori gonzalez and jennifer rucker thank you for your contributions to sustain and grow this podcast it truly means everything to me because it ensures the continued production of future episodes If you are a listener who would like to keep hearing new episodes, click the link in the show notes to support this podcast starting at just 99 cents per month. Today's episode is about noticing when we're playing the comparison game with other minimalists and setting realistic standards for our clutter-free goals. Stick around! When I first started out on my minimal journey, I spent a lot of free time watching YouTube videos and reading articles about people who had these impressively empty homes. I used to feel totally inadequate and even overwhelmed by how far I felt I had to go to get to a place where I could truly call myself a minimalist. There was one video that stands out in my memory where a woman in probably her late 20s was giving an apartment tour of her very minimal and spacious apartment. She had a few plants, almost no furniture, it was 100% clutter-free, very calming to look at, and in this particular video, she showed that she had two floor cushions stored away in a closet as guest seating for when she had friends over. I remember looking at those little cushions and thinking, wow, I have such a long way to go. I have an extra armchair and a couple of side tables I don't really use and decorations on my bookshelves. How am I ever going to get to the point where my apartment looks like that and where the only things I have stored are a couple of floor cushions? I'm here to tell you that your apartment or home does not have to be empty in order for you to live simply or minimally. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you're at the very least interested in a life with less. If you've started changing your habits by decluttering or shopping less, you're already on the minimal path. I've said it so many times in past episodes, but your home does not have to look a certain way in order to be minimal. You don't have to own a certain number of items. Of course, there's absolutely nothing wrong with only owning 100 items or donating most of your furniture. In fact, I'm still very impressed and very inspired by homes that are extremely minimal. They look so breathable and spacious, and I love to gain inspiration from capsule wardrobes with just 30 pieces in the closet. But if you're not a person who can count every item they own, I'm here to tell you that your minimal journey is still valid. We have to be truthful with ourselves when there are certain areas that we may never measure up to when comparing ourselves to other minimalists. I feel that it's important to remember that everyone is at a different level and stage of minimal living. By keeping this in mind, we can avoid feeling discouraged on our clutter-free journeys. I'll use myself as an example. The kitchen is an area where I feel that I've cut down on clutter as much as I can, but it's still full of utensils and cookware. I'll never be the type of person who has just a wooden spoon and spatula in the drawer. I would love it if that were the case, but if I look at my lifestyle and habits realistically, I can see that I cook 90% of my meals at home, so I'm probably never going to have a sparsely furnished kitchen. I like baking on the weekends, so I need a whisk to make the job easier. I use my casserole dish for weeknight dinners, and I use different sizes of skillets and pots on a daily basis. And Guess what? Owning all of that is totally okay. When we step back and analyze our lifestyle habits and hobbies, we can give ourselves some grace for not measuring up to another person's standards of minimalism. Those standards are usually self-imposed. There's probably not a person in your life saying, hey, you've got to be more minimal, and these are created by comparing ourselves to others. Try and determine when you're looking at someone else's stage of minimalism for inspiration, which can be positive and motivating, and it's something I recommend, and see when you're comparing yourself and beginning to feel inadequate. I feel like these reminders were very important for me, especially early on in my minimal journey. So just be mindful of noticing when you're starting to play the comparison game. You wanna get inspired, not discouraged. Let's take a break for a quick word from our sponsors. When choosing jewelry, I want something that's elegant, high quality, and sustainable. That's why I wear Ana Luisa jewelry. That's A N A L U I S A. Ana Luisa sells beautiful jewelry that's priced fairly and produced ethically so that you can feel good about the pieces you wear. Starting at just $39, you can get a timeless accessory that's luxurious, affordable, and earth conscious. Personally, I'm very particular on earrings, and Ana Luisa has a wonderful selection of hoops, studs, and statement earrings that I fell in love with. Right now, you can get 10% off your first order with code Podcast. Just go to shop.analuisa.com CSFPODCAST or click the link in the episode description. Ana Luisa releases new collections every Friday, so there are always new bracelets, rings, necklaces, and more to choose from that you can mix and match to create a versatile look. Visit shop.analuisa.com slash CSF podcast, or use the code CSF podcast at checkout for 10% off your first purchase. Get yourself and your loved ones, the perfect gift with up to 40% off. Check out Ana Luisa shop.analuisa.com slash CSF podcast. I know you'll love them. And welcome back to the episode. One of my favorite ways to declutter is to sort by separating what I love most from everything else. For me, this is a very effective way to clear out clutter. I can look at everything in my closet or on a shelf and see what I'm excited about and what makes me happy. My goal is to keep a home that's filled only with things I love, So it becomes less about deciding what to get rid of and more about letting go of things that just don't make me quite as happy. It's much easier to do this with less practical things if I'm being honest, like looking at a fun trinket or a beautiful piece of clothing, but take the kitchen for example. I feel like everyone has a favorite pan that they like to cook in, or a utensil that just feels like it works better than the others, and there's a lot of joy to be found in items that do their job well and simplify a task like cooking cooking. If I were to evaluate my kitchen supplies and only keep the potholders that are well insulated and have a pattern that I like, and get rid of any utensils that aren't effective while cooking, after sorting through the kitchen, I would be very pleased with the things that were left over. This method of sorting is based on only keeping the things that add value to my life by doing their job well and just letting go of the rest. If it sounds like I'm basically describing Marie Kondo's spark joy method of decluttering, I pretty much am. That way of decluttering has always worked best for me, so those of you who resonated with that book will find this a really helpful episode. When we value the things that we love and don't make ourselves feel guilty for keeping them, it creates a much richer life experience. You should love everything in your home. You should be excited to use the things in your house or happy to see a neatly organized bathroom shelf that only contains products you like and regularly use. If you open a cabinet and think, I really shouldn't have so much stuff, you either A, need to set aside some time to declutter because you're overwhelmed by how much you have or B, if you're actually happy with what you have and you've recently decluttered maybe it's time to take a look at your thinking and see if you're comparing yourself to someone else's standard of minimalism. If this is a problem that you find yourself frequently running into, where you realize that you're comparing yourself and thinking that you're not doing a good enough job, it can be really helpful to make a list of your strengths and weaknesses when it comes to organizing or sorting clutter. You can even do this mentally, or if you prefer, you can write it all out on a piece of paper. For me, the areas that I struggle with the most or am the least minimal in are the kitchen and my closet. I can look at those areas and find out if there's a good reason for it or if it's something I need to be more mindful of and work on. As I mentioned before, I cook almost every meal at home. Going out for dinner or even stopping for takeout is like a special occasion or weekend treat in my house, so I can acknowledge that and say, okay, there is a logical and practical reason why I can't get rid of more cooking supplies. For my closet, there's a much less practical reason why it's not more minimal. Plain and simple, I love clothes. I enjoy accessorizing, I like wearing different shoes with different outfits. And a big part of how I express my individual style is through my wardrobe. I could go to a more minimal style of dress, but if I truly enjoy expressing myself through fashion and it makes me feel happy, there's nothing wrong with it as long as I'm keeping everything organized, not shopping to excess, and not overwhelmed by my closet. Something I changed about my wardrobe years ago is that I don't usually purchase trend-driven clothes, but try and stick to a more timeless style so that I'm not purchasing as frequently and I can avoid supporting fast fashion. So even if you're allowing yourself an area of your life that you're not as strictly minimal on, you can always set yourself stricter guidelines to stick to. Another parameter that I've put in place for my closet is to not own too many different types of the same style of shoes. For instance, I have one pair of sandals that I love and that go great with everything in my closet, so I know that I don't need to be shopping for another pair of sandals anytime soon. So it's okay to allow yourself a bit of leeway if there are certain things that you enjoy owning, but still keep guidelines in place to prevent yourself from going overboard in any one aspect of your life. Once you've identified the areas where you're not as minimal, let's look at the areas where you've learned to simplify the most. For me, my bathroom is the most minimal room in the house. I'm a creature of habit when it comes to my makeup, hair products, and skincare. So all the cosmetics I own are in my daily makeup bag that I use to get ready in the mornings. If I do buy something extra, it's very rare and it'll be something simple like a tube of lipstick or a new lotion I'd like to try so I can pride myself on having a simple beauty routine and a small makeup collection. My living room is also very minimal. I have a TV on a stand, a couch, a coffee table, and two bookcases, which is the only place where I allow myself to display trinkets. I also have never been much of a bag or purse kind of girl. I have my go-to everyday purse and a backpack for larger items like notebooks or a laptop, so if I ever feel guilty, about enjoying a variety of clothes or having a fully stocked kitchen, I can realize that I'm actually pretty minimal in other aspects of my life and I don't need to beat myself up over it. I think it's important to make these kinds of lists and identify areas where there is room for improvement and also the areas where we can relax a little bit. We should remind ourselves that this is a lifestyle change and not just a game of how much we can get rid of and then we're done forever. Minimalism is not just a one-and-done task, this is a permanent change that we're going to have to upkeep for as long as we continue living simply. That's why I feel it's important to be a little lenient with ourselves. Even if you were to reduce the amount that you own by half, new things and new sources of clutter are always going to come into our lives, whether it's from shopping without being mindful and filling our homes right back up, or through everyday things that make their way into our homes your kid brings home a pamphlet from school, you buy groceries and bring home a reusable bag, you check the mail and have paperwork to sort. So even when we're being conscious of our consumer habits, things will always fill our homes back up. So if we're not conscious that this is happening, we can easily slip back into old habits, let the clutter pile up, and either undo all the hard work or make a lot more work for ourselves in the future. In order to sustain a minimal life, we need to be honest with ourselves about the areas we struggle with so we can be on the lookout if that part of our life begins to get too full. I've mentioned that I keep a fuller wardrobe than other minimalists may, so if a friend invites me to go clothes shopping, I need to take a look at what's already in my closet so that I don't come home with something I may want in the moment but don't actually need. We also need to be honest about the standards we're holding ourselves to if it's something that can't reasonably be achieved. If you're a parent with a couple of kids and you're saving pictures to your Pinterest boards of living rooms that don't have any toys or kids' books or craft tables in sight, it's possible that you'll get discouraged if your living room won't look a certain way at this stage of your life. It may be more productive to search for ways to organize craft supplies or read articles on creative storage for children's items. By approaching a minimal life with honesty about where we can improve and what we can achieve right now, we can set ourselves up for a more successful journey that can also be sustained over time. That wraps up this week's episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this episode, I would love to hear from you. Reach out on Instagram at clean.simple.free or by email at clean.simple.free at gmail.com. I love hearing from my listeners. I'd also like to remind you to check out Ana Luisa Jewelry using the link in the description and using the code CSF podcast for 10% off sustainable jewelry. Thanks so much for being a listener, and remember, clean spaces make for a more simple way of life, and when life is simplified, your mind will feel free. See you next time.